Mum As You Are is a place for self-compassionate reflection to use what you have within you right now as you are perfectly imperfect to find your way through motherhood. I'm Dr Erin Bauer, clinical and perinatal psychologist, author of More Than a Healthy Baby, course creator and mum of two. This is my second podcast, welcome if you've followed me over from my birth trauma work. This current podcast offering is bite-sized, unfancy and unplanned. A roadmap for finding your way back to self-compassion and how to replace numbing and escapism with true, meaningful fun. I talk about motherhood as an identity and an institution, perinatal mental health and patriarchy, parental burnout and numbing. The core message is to practice the question, I wonder. Instead of judging ourselves and engaging in comparisonitis, we simply ask ourselves, I wonder. I wonder. I wanted to do a good old list because sometimes they're helpful. So this is a list of five things that might be making your motherhood more miserable than it needs to be. So jumping straight in, the first one I think is judging yourself and other people for their parenting choices or your parenting choices without actually recognising what you're doing. So notice I'm not saying here that the problem is the judging, right? Judging's not good, but it's not just the judging we're talking about here. It's the act of engaging in the judging without firstly validating and normalising why we do it. Judging serves a very important anthropological purpose that I've discussed in both of my books, More Than Healthy Baby and Social Media Detox for Mums, because they, we don't talk about it enough in terms of why do we actually judge other people, why do we judge ourselves, what's the purpose of it. So I don't actually think it's a realistic goal for any parent to reach, I don't know, some sort of Zen state of never judging. But we need to be mindful of what purpose is it serving? Why is that behaviour there? So, I mean, essentially it helps us decide, not always rationally though, I have to say, whether someone is in what psychologists and sociologists refer to as like the in-group. So is this a group that's safe and similar to me or is it the out-group? So not safe, too unfamiliar, it's too much work, you know, to engage with this person and this group potentially. So we sometimes also talk about this thing called Dunbar's number. Um, Robin Dunbar was the person who said, humans can kind of comfortably keep track of about 150 stable relationships. But beyond that, it's just noise. So that has really, if you think about it, really important implications for social media and how many people we can actually keep track of and have some sort of meaningful relationship with. And so I think when parents come together online or in person, what's happening often is that our kind of, you know, sleep deprived and very overstimulated brains, they're looking for tabs to close. And so judging people is a quick way to do that. Messages that are too confusing or are taking too much information, information processing are going to be pushed out really or ignored by our brains. So we a simple way of thinking about it is we move towards things that make sense, we move away from things that are confusing. 
And so someone that I meet at playgroup might be a nice person, but let's say they have very different political beliefs. They think that uh, postnatal depression is made up and you just need to go for a run. And I don't know, let's say they also hate dogs. <laughs> it's going to be more work for me to develop a friendship with them. It doesn't mean that we can't be friends. It just means I'm going to have to put a lot more energy into practicing my compassion and my tolerance. So I'll probably pass. I'm going to have a bit of a mini series about judgment coming up in the next few weeks. But for now, let's just leave it at that. The idea of judging without actually thinking about why you're judging, right? Number two, oh, chasing somebody else's parent dream. <laughs> so I wanted to be that mum who had a child sleep in a beautiful white oval stocker crib. I mean, I wanted to be Nina Proudman from Offspring, essentially. It was a snapshot, like a glimmering snapshot in my mind that was like, yes, this is the mum I want to be. This is how I want things to go. And didn't go that way at all. Um, you know, we're socialised to believe you put a baby in a cot, you put them to sleep, that's what you do. And it's so often not the neurobiological norm, I suppose, if you actually, I won't get into it too much here, but if you actually look into the science of sleeping and attachment and hormones and physiology and all of that, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for babies to naturally want to sleep in a cot. That's all I'll say. I also wanted to be that mum who only used cloth nappies, yet I really struggled to find a brand and a type that actually fit well and were actually leak-proof. And then I became pregnant again and I had hyperemesis and I just wanted nappy changes to go as quickly as possible because I was like vomiting 20 times a day, more than 20 times a day sometimes. And I, you know, didn't need to spend the time beating myself up for not trying hard enough to meet this dream of what sort of like version of a mum I was going to be. I really just needed to get through the day. So don't go chasing somebody else's parenting dream. If something's not working out for you, just go, yep, it's not worked out and do what you need to do to keep yourself coping, okay? The other one I want to talk about for number three, which is kind of related to that actually, is trying to make your baby or your child fit with a philosophy that just doesn't fit. You know, I think about sleep. All those times we're sort of told, and where does it even come from? Like you put the baby down, pat, pat, shush, shush, and you just walk away, turn off the light, or um, the other one I used to hear a lot was like, well, if you just stop eating, you know, tomatoes and capsicums and salicylates, is that how you say it? Like things, blueberries, things that um, is technically what's in aspirin, I think, and dairy. And then, you know, your breast milk will be pure and not have all these things in it and your baby will definitely sleep. Or you put your baby in a warm bath with the lavender and then you cool their basal temperature and they'll go right off to sleep. I mean, almost every day. I think about how there are going to be other mothers out there who struggle just as much as I did or more with getting their babies to sleep. And this is despite doing all the things you're supposed to do. Wondering why nothing works. <laughs> so pretty much nothing worked to get my oldest to sleep except for her being on me. And even then it didn't always work. There were, you know, other factors that at the time I didn't see because it didn't fit my idea of like the philosophy of what child sleep is supposed to be. So my child was someone who quit naps when she was 12 months old 
and she didn't actually sleep until so I don't, I'm you know nervous to say this because I don't want people to get scared but she didn't sleep through until she was six six years old not six months six years right annoying and stressful yes but also biologically normal also yes she you know I was blessed with a sensitive kid who's very wakeful and has lower sleep needs than what I thought she should have because we do obsess about that how much should the baby be sleeping sleep is so important I didn't really I suppose resonate or understand very much about that idea of individual differences I thought if my baby wasn't sleeping as much as other babies then something was wrong and it wasn't normal except that was my stress and not hers in hindsight my husband is someone who doesn't need a lot of sleep so there's potentially a genetic factor there too I mean she was settled and happy being awake for long periods of time it was me who <laughs> was freaked out about it and I'm someone who generally needs a good nine hours every night so it was a mismatch in philosophies there and I wish I hadn't spent so much of my time and my tears trying to make her fit into some sleep approach that I thought she was supposed to be doing um, so think about trying to make your child fit with a philosophy if it's not fitting then it you know the writing's on the wall there it's not fitting and it's not fitting for a reason it's easier said than done I know but I you know advice to my former self <laughs> seven years ago I wish I'd just gone well she seems okay so I let it go another one number four is not allowing yourself to fail or when you're quick to anger in the heat of the moment and you said something or you've done something and you're like oh yeah not not proud of that allow yourself to be quick to apologize and to be the first person to action the repair so realizing as well this is a teaching moment this is an amazing teaching moment we learn far more from our failures than we do from our successes kids don't need a perfect mum they don't need a perfect mum who never makes mistakes they want and need to see that mistakes are okay so when they make mistakes yep they can feel some guilt for making a bad choice but they don't need to feel shame they don't need to feel that I'm a bad person so in order to develop those skills and that resilience they need to see you model the skills in how to apologize how to acknowledge when you've marked up like pretending it didn't happen so you don't lose face it's it's tempting <laughs> but owning up to a mistake and showing love and that invitation to repair a relationship far more life-changing and the last one which is another one of those easier said than done but it's letting your anxiety be proof that something is wrong it's something that happens a lot in early parenting or any stage of parenting for that matter this kind of <laughs> low level sense of anxiety all the time and I think post lockdowns there is a lot of additional anxiety going around fears about your baby's health about your baby's social skills about how your toddler's coping with development and all of that but it's important to remember that at some point at some point we have to tell our brains that the threat has passed now COVID hasn't exactly passed it's going to be around for quite a while but we're not in active crisis anymore so just because you feel anxious doesn't mean there's actual danger or anything wrong and this low level anxiety response it's a throwback to our ancestors who 
they had to be on high alert because they were constantly, you know, trying to survive in case they got eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or something. So the simple explanation is understanding that your mind really can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. And our thoughts create physiological changes to our body. So whenever your heart starts racing, whenever you're sweating, your chest is feeling tight, that all starts with a thought. And it, whatever your mind expects, it tends to realize. So the trick is actually catching the thought, like what is the thought and testing it out. Is it real? Is it actually happening right now? Is there evidence? So your brain will focus on those internal cues, like I talked about, heart racing, sweating, breathing too fast, things like that. And it will use that as proof of danger, unless you actually train it to look instead for the external cues. So learning to switch your focus to things out in the environment, um, in well, in trauma and anxiety kind of, I don't know, training, philosophy, however you want to think about it, using your visual system to actually look in the environment and see that there is no threat is important. That's It sounds really simple, like actually look and see that there is no threat, but that's very much a long-term wired biological response. So these are skills that you can learn to focus and shift from what you're feeling inside and what your brain is telling you to what's actually going on in the environment. So unless you tell your brain that there is no threat, there's no, there's no saber-toothed tiger coming to get you, there's no bear around the corner, it's going to stay in that high alert state. So don't use your anxiety as proof that something's wrong. Practice the skills of actually looking out in the environment. You may have also heard of that strategy. It's a grounding strategy. I'll just add it here because I think it's become a bit more popular of using your senses. What's well, you know one thing you can say, one thing you can smell, and look in the actual environment, not looking internally into what kind of bodily sensations you're having. Now, having said all that, if anxiety is something that's actually interfering with your ability to get through the day, like it's debilitating. Don't just put up with it. Don't just be like, oh yeah, it's just normal to be anxious as a parent. Like, if you didn't know how to drive, you'd go and get an instructor who could teach you how to drive, right? If your child was struggling with maths, you'd get them a tutor. <laughs> Anxiety is no different, right? You hire somebody. A good psychologist can help you with those skills. And it really is a set of skill development um, to manage your anxiety. It's a set of skills like anything else. It's not a personal failing that you have anxiety. It's a set of skills that you maybe need to tune up or you actually just never learned them in the first place because who sat us down in school and said, today we're going to learn to cope with anxiety. Okay, so don't put up with it if it's worrying you. I hope that's been helpful just to reflect on a few things that might be making life more difficult than it needs to be. Catch you next time. If you want to be a course tester for my brand new 21 day social media detox course, you can do that. You can try it out for 21 US dollars before it goes on sale to the public. It's in beta mode at the moment, which is just a kind of fancy way of saying it's a new course. I haven't tried it out before. I want to see if people actually find it useful and if they like it, what's good about it, what's not good about it, what to add, subtract take away all that kind of stuff. So if you want to try it out, you can use code 21421. I'll put it in the show notes until March 21st. 
it's just for a limited time just so people have got a chance to try it out see if it's any good and that will be useful thank you